when for us when we're going to Uganda and you know you're going and you need to save money mm-hmm. instead of saving money here where you're going to touch the money and potentially use it or whatnot or or, or, or trust the person, someone else with money. If you have your bank account, you can put the money there. If you're mm-hmm. a lot of our parents, a lot of us, a lot of different people, you know, Bazim, but they do projects back home. So yeah. the ability is to send money directly from your bank account here in the UK or in the US or in Europe directly into another bank account in, um, you know, in yeah. Uganda. That for me, I find that absolutely amazing. That. Mujevale, Mujevale, Mujevale. My name is Bane Kibuka and welcome to another episode of the Ugandan Ball Talk Show. You mentioned something that most people in Uganda use against us, the Bosama, about us saving money. <laughs> then we go to Uganda and have a ton of money and then we come back here and we're broke. They usually use that against us. Like, what do you think about that? <laughs> For a lot of people, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life in the West is not easy. Like, it may appear it, but we really, really do hustle for our money. That's you know, true. we really do work hard for our money. And then when you take into consideration um, tax systems, and you take into consideration, like for here in the UK, you know, your tax and then there's national insurance and then, the fact that you know like right now fuel prices are through the roof and then you've got rent you've got so many different um, commitments that you know we're not millionaires in uh, by any stretch we literally are hustling so when we do make some money i think ugandans don't our brothers and sisters back home don't actually understand the the, the, the relief it is when we land home yeah like we spend all year anxious to go home because we just want that break because this is not our home mm-hmm. i mean for me i this is this is home because this is where I've, i mean i'm 31 i've been here since i was two that's what 28 29 years i've been in this country right and it's easy for me to want to be like you know this is home it's the only home i've ever known yes but it's not home when you then look into institutional racism and then you look into societal racism and then you look into, um, you know, just how segregated certain communities are and then you look at the limitations that are around and you, you just look at just, you, you quickly come to understand that this ain't our home. This ain't it. When we, the, I, This is home, but it's not home. There's something special about landing at Entebbe yeah. Air. Yeah. Even if it's at night and you can't see nothing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's our small... You know, I mean, when you, especially like if you're coming from the UK, you're coming from Heathrow, Terminal 4, Terminal 5. These are grand airports. And, you know, if, if, you're, if, if, if you're taking Qatar and you land in Qatar's airport, you see how grand it is. Landing in Entebbe, you might think, ah, it's, it's, it's this tiny airport, but it's ours. Yeah. It's ours, Chaffee. Do you know that? Like, yeah. I don't care how grand, how, how grand your anything else is, Entebbe is ours you're home, you're free, you know, you get to see your people, you get to be yourself, you get to drop this mask that you put on. A lot of the times when you're, when we're working, and this is something that I think a lot of our brothers and sisters don't actually understand that when you're working, if you're in the office space, or if you're working in whatever industry it is, we have to strip ourselves of who we are in order to get through every single day. Mm -hmm. We have to take on a, um, a persona 
of the Western man, yeah, just to get through to make the money. You know, then we, we, we can't speak our language. You can't enforce our culture. We, we have to become him. We have mm-hmm. to become the Westerner in order to make the money. So when we go home and we can be ourselves, oh, what a beautiful feeling that is. It's yeah. amazing. And trust me, a lot of people say, listen, I'm working. I'm paying this. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But I am going home. I'm going to save my money and I'm going to go home. And yes, we, you, you save, you save, you go home and you spend. But that's to enjoy. Right. You know, you want to spend on your family members. You're, you're on holiday. I mean, if I'm going, like, I've been to the States a number of times. If I'm coming to the States, I need to save up for that as well. And I'm Mm going to spend. And I'm Mm going to come back. And I'm going to go back to a job to make the money again. Anytime you travel, anytime you're going anywhere, you need to spend. And chances are when you come back, you don't have a big kitty. That's true. Yeah. It's just just life. It's just what it is. But we love home. We love Uganda. We want to experience the best that our country has to offer. Yeah, you know? I, was, I, I would actually, you explain it the best way. I've, I've never had anybody explain it that way. And you, I learned something from your explanation to use against that because saving money to go to, and spend it in Uganda isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. But because when we grew up in Uganda, nobody talks about saving money. They kind of just go to place and just wing it. Or like they just make what they're going to eat that day. You know, nobody saves money. So they use that against us that we save money. We go spend big, but that's a good thing. We saved it. And yeah, we're going to come back. We might not have the same money, but that was the whole reason why we saved the money. You save the money Mm. for a reason. And by the way, when, when, when it is a case where we're back and we're broke, it's not that we have zero. It's just that yeah. we don't have money to spend on anything else. We right. have enough to survive. I need yeah. to now, when I come back now, I need to consider rent. <laughs> I need to consider whether it's rent or a mortgage. I need to think, consider car insurance. I need to consider the road tax. I need to consider transport to get to and from mm-hmm. work. I need to consider life. I'm away from the holiday. I'm back yeah. to life. And, you know, because it's not free. We don't mm-hmm. live for free in this country. <laughs> yeah. So we need to consider that, you know? Yeah. But I got to say, um, it's yeah you you made some good points like when we're working here we really i i never even thought about it but when you said it like i thought of myself at work where i work and like you do something that you just you take yourself out of you like you you gun on stuff out of you you wear another like american or thing to be at work you speak english every day you have to work on this time you have to do this which like to make that money. So whatever you're going to do with that money, it's all up to you because you work hard for that money, which most mm-hmm. people in Uganda still have that mentality of people in the West that there's money all over the place. But in real sense, we have to really work hard for that money to get it. No, we do. We work very, very hard and we strip ourselves. And I think that's the one thing that people don't actually understand. Physically, some, some, some roles aren't physically demanding, right? But mentally and emotionally, they're draining because of the fact that we have to strip ourselves of who we are and we have to tolerate certain things that aren't comfortable. We deal with a lot of microaggression. Anyone who's ever worked, I can only imagine that in the US it's the same, but if you've ever worked in an office space here in the UK and you're at times one of the only black people in an entire office or working for an entire company, the microaggression and the subtle racism that you face every single day and you have to take it and mm-hmm. it goes in like it, it's draining it's mentally and emotionally draining but you 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 take it and 
you just have to strip yourself of who you are. You can't be you. Mm-hmm. We love being, and I think what our brothers and sisters need to understand is the fact that us saving money and going to Uganda to save it is the biggest, it should be the biggest indicator of how patriotic we are. Right. Because we have the ability to go to any country, and we do. We travel all over, all around the world. Ugandans go everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that at two times a year, in the summer and in December, Ugandans, it doesn't matter what, what country they're in, descend on home. Yeah. You, the UK, Sweden, Denmark, South Africa, um, the United States, Canada. Like you go, you get to a bar, for example, you get to a club, and you just know that oh, they're from this part, this that's where they're from here, they're from that. It's the biggest indicator of just how patriotic we are. We love our country and we want to spend our hard-earned money mm-hmm. at home. We don't want to spend it anywhere else. We want to spend it home on our people and there's something, again, I think for me, it's different. Maybe I, I see things very differently because I didn't go to Uganda until I was 22 years old. Mm. So as an adult, I was able to see and witness and experience certain things. And days you don't understand what it's like to walk into a supermarket mm-hmm. and you're speaking Luganda. And you walk in and there's someone there, now and they greet you. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? That doesn't happen here. Like yeah. if I go to a small shop, I want to buy a drink or something like that. Yeah, I can't walk into that shop in Uganda and not greet the shopkeeper. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. I have to greet the shopkeeper. Here, you walk into a shop, you don't even acknowledge <laughs> the shopkeeper. Yeah, you know, you go, you buy what you want, you come back. Sometimes you don't even communicate with them. Mm-hmm. I can't walk into a shop. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an auntie, you know, Walium Chad, yeah, what I turned out, whatever she's buying, Nessimovuz, and Andiko Simu, Nenying, and more sent, and then you can't do that back home. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's normal. So it's like there's something beautiful about being in your own home and you're embraced in the culture. Yeah. Like it's fantastic. It's liberating. It reminds you of who you are and it reminds you of just how different these society is. And it just reinstates it. And it just, I am a Ugandan. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like every now and again we need to go home. It's like Omanyinga Ovancho get how just so kamumazi or yes, I'm refreshed right. again, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I was gonna revisit back the statement you said about landing in Entebbe because I experienced that myself. Like when I'm flying from the US Amsterdam, and now I'm just going to Uganda, but when the plane leaves Amsterdam and I know the next stop, I mean, sometimes we we land in Kigali. But when, yeah. when is when is leaving Kigali going to Entebbe? Entebbe. I have I have this big smile on me, and when I land there, it's just a big smile that I can't control because it feels good to be home, you know. And that's like that's that's what the visa, and no matter what, there's nothing that beats that for us to be at home and know you're free, know you're home a yo whatever see your family so i think i think it means a big deal for us to to go and visit them you hit the nail on the head that moment when you know you're 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 about to land in uganda <laughs> and you've taken off from kigali if you're going that route or even if you're going um let's say coming from let's say um doha and mm-hmm. you've entered and you know you see on the screen you've entered ugandan airspace uh-huh. and they prepare you to land the joy that <laughs> overtakes you you have to leave the you have to have left uganda and lived somewhere else 
to understand the joy that overtakes someone mm-hmm. when they know I'm about to land in Uganda. Right. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but there's something special about it when you just know. And that feeling, I swear mm-hmm. it's worth it's worth it. Even if nothing else happens the entire that trip, that feeling alone is worth mm-hmm. the entire time period you've been waiting. It's 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 priceless, man. It's absolutely yeah. priceless. I've, it, I've I've traveled. I've I I love the states. The states is absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. Traveled right across Europe, but I swear to you, there's nothing like Uganda. That is true, and um, I'm the same way. I th- I at one point I thought I'm the only person who feels that, but when you shared it earlier, I was like, oh, so somebody else feels. Everybody, I think now everybody who is outside uganda like flies back they have the same excitement and joy and mm-hmm. yeah i i can't trade that for anything but um mm-hmm. i'm gonna we're coming close to ending this but there's some two things i'm gonna touch on that you mentioned while you're talking you talked about racism and you talked about um the things we go through at work and i have an episode here for the listeners that have listened I was talking about my experience at work where I was the only mm. black person in the whole place and mm. it was tough. It was tough for me to go through that environment and walk, waking up every day knowing like, oh my gosh, how am I going to survive today? You know, it's it's tough. And But I wanted the money. Like you say, we we work for this money. We, want it, we need money to pay rent, to pay everything. But at some point it got more than even the money. Like it got to an extent where it's costing me my peace my mental yeah, health and uh, I was like no I need to shut this down no matter what I actually left my job I didn't even have any other job lined up but I was just you know what I need to step out of this place for a while so it gets really tough so I wanted to hear from your perspective like how is racism and it was racism I wouldn't hide that because the people I worked with they never really liked me because so I work in the aviation uh, field um aircraft mechanic and to go and work in an environment with other americans who are white people it was actually it's a certain part of the country that people are uncivilized they so when you go there you make the same amount of money as them you're younger than them they look at that as a threat and they use it against you you know from here how am i getting paid the same amount of money you're getting paid but it's not that the boss picked you out because you're from Uganda, a third world country to come and work here. You studied, you, work, you worked hard for that. So you are there because yeah. you qualified to do that. But people yeah. don't take it in that perspective and they oh. use it against you. So how is it like in the UK, in that, uh, what, what we're talking about, like in that area? I think racism is so deeply embedded in the UK society that at times you can miss it it's insane to think that it's so deeply embedded within society that it goes over your head because you're just used to it and sometimes you need to either step out of it or you need someone else to actually tell you that yo this is actually wrong because you just get used to it you literally become you adapt to the environment so growing up from ed from the education system the housing system you know dealing with um, law enforcement Racism has just been part of it. So by the time you get to the work workplace as an adult, you're so aware of your own skin and your own presence, and you automatically you know because you a lack of representation on TV 
it, you know, you know, each time you see someone who looks like you, it's negative. Yet, you know, those who don't look like you are, you know, th those who do occupy the highest status within society look nothing like you. So you're already programmed to understand that you don't belong in certain, you know, in certain rooms. So when you do walk into um, an office space and there's like two other black people in that entire room and you're one of them, automatically you just know that at some point you're going to face it and it's real, it's there. And what you said, it's key. I think white people have this level of entitlement that they feel that they are entitled to everything. And if you are occupying a space, they see as though you're taken away from them, not realizing that you're where you are because you worked hard for it, because you're qualified, because you deserve to be there, not because you know they chose you over someone else and so on and so forth, but they don't see it that way. And it's it's almost threatening to them. And it I think the most frustrating thing about it is when they smile in your face. And for the most part, it's it's cool. You're talking and this and this and that. But then they make one, two comments. Mm -hmm. You know, every now and again a comment or something will be done, or you'll hear something, you'll hear conversation start that will really rub you the wrong way. I remember being in the office at the time of George Floyd's death. Mm -hmm. And we went to the protest. I went to the protest in London. I remember that was on the weekend. I remember the Monday we went back. And obviously, I don't know if you knew about, know anything about the protests that took place here in the UK, but they were very, very violent. Mm -hmm. um, and being in the office the next day, on Monday, because it was on Saturday. So being in the office on Monday, the atmosphere was so tense. Like mm -hmm. it was incredibly tense. And keep in mind in the office, we're just three black men. Right. And yeah. then the conversations and you hear people talk about why are they violent? But there's a, don't they have things to do? But in your mind, you're like, who's they? Let's start mm -hmm. with that. Who is the they? You know, yeah. violence, you know, violence doesn't help. And you're like, hold on. Violence doesn't help. We're protesting because of an act of violence. Mm -hmm. You know, they go, like you come to understand. When you hear certain conversations that black and white people see things very differently. That's we true. view the word very differently. And then in the end, if you speak your mind at times, you're made to feel small or an outsider, or they, they almost try to guilt trip you into having particular views or supporting BLM and things like that. And it takes a very strong mind to stand your ground and say to them, listen, I do support Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. because we do. That's not to say all lives don't matter. Mm -hmm. They do every life matter. But at, at this moment in time, Black lives are at risk. Yeah. Who, who's the ones that are suffering? What are we seeing? You cannot compare the two. And it, it was like, I'll compare it to, it's going to slightly go away from the question. I'll compare it to a video that I put out where I was talking about domestic violence and sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about how there's no justification for violence against women, whether it's sexual or, 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 or domestic. And people kept responding, there's no justification for violence against anyone. Yeah, I know that. People mm -hmm. are like, oh, so what are you, are you saying? It's just, it, it, you can justify, you know, assaulting a man. No, I'm not saying that. But when you look at the numbers, who's more likely to die of domestic violence? Women. Who mm -hmm. suffer the most from domestic violence? Women. Who suffer the most from sexual assault? Women. Who's more likely to be raped and killed in society? Women. Mm -hmm. the, 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 not just violence, but sexual assault and the, the, the sexualization of women is so deeply embedded in our society that a lot of men don't even know what sexual assault is. Mm 
Mm-hmm. A lot of men don't even know what class is a sexual assault. They must think, like, it was this Sheba situation where, where a lot of people must think that a man must actually physically rape a woman mm-hmm. in order for it to become sexual assault. So it's like, we, they, we need to understand that I'm speaking because women are at risk. They're the highest yeah. at risk. That's the problem. I'm not saying it's okay to assault a man. No. Mm-hmm. But women are at risk far more than men. And that's the problem we're talking about. So it's the same with, with racism. And it's like, it's just very difficult in the workplace. It's draining. It's very yeah. draining. And it's, it becomes a, a, a point where you're aware. You, you walk into certain spaces and certain parts of this country. Your skin feels like it weighs a ton. Mm-hmm. It feels you. It feels like you're heavy. <laughs> you know, to, oh, you know, and you yeah. feel it. And it's not a nice feeling, and it's very, very draining. And at times, you, you just get to a point where you're like, "There's nothing I can do that can let these people know mm-hmm. that I am more than the color of my skin." You know, mm-hmm. but then you just get to a point where you're like, "Okay, I get that now." So now I'm just going to navigate through the world without giving a care. As to what they're up to, right? That's a the, you. You just made a point that I don't think you even ever heard me say it, but I say the same thing. Like that place I was telling you about, you walk into it, and you you know you're the only black person, but you feel it when you are there, and it's different from where I'm working right now because I'm still the only black person. But sometimes you even forget you're the only black person there because of the way those people treat you. But when I was working in the other place, like they make you feel, and you feel it that you are the only black person yeah. there. But yeah. it's, but it's it's crazy to hear that it's from what you're saying. It sounds like it's pretty much the same way in London, just like the US, and it's it's tough. Like there's no way we're gonna get rid of this because recently in the US they just shot people at Buffalo. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah like a guy gun shooting like and then they say oh he they they do there's a way they say it in the u.s when a white person shoots they say he has like mental issues or like something yeah Yeah. and then when a black person does something you don't even have they just kill actually they just kill because oh he he resisted he resisted arrest so we shot him in the head and he died like how are those two comparing like it doesn't even make sense. And there's always I people. Think, <laughs> I think it's, we make a mistake as black people. This is the biggest mistake we make. We make a mistake in thinking that after hundreds of years of not being seen as human, you know, of being enslaved, brutalized, colonized, murdered, raped, pillaged, everything, kidnapped, whatever of hundreds of years of not being seen by a human, we seem to think that 20, 30, 40 years is all of a sudden going to make them see us as human, as though our lives matter as much as them. No. Mm-hmm. You know, racism is just part of society. And the mistake we do is expecting. And that goes back to what Jib said originally. No one owes you anything. We, we, we falsely ex- expect that we're going to be seen as equal now just because we've got some rights. Mm-hmm. No, our lives do not matter to the same levels that theirs do. Yeah. To them, to us, it does. To us, of course, we know we do, but to them, it doesn't. You know, and yeah. it's just that's why it's you're going to find more black people dying in police custody. 
You know, that's why you're going to find more black people being being incarcerated for the exact same crime that white mm-hmm. people commit, you know, at a higher level and facing longer sentences. That's why, for example, in the UK, we've got this issue where black women are most likely to die whilst giving birth because of the way the doctors treat them in hospitals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just part of society. It's part of the environment. We had a case recently when um, just a few days ago where an 11 year old boy had to have his finger amputated. I just seen that on the, the racism. Yeah, just, yeah. I just saw that. You know, was that in the UK? I thought it was in the US. Was in the UK? No, that's here in the UK. Oh, really? But that, that goes to show you that the experiences are the same. Right. That happened yeah. here, you know. Yeah. And it's like this thing is still deeply embedded in, within our societies, and we have to be the ones that change that by force. But and I think that experience that we go through every single day, all year round, is the reason why when we get home. We're like, oh, God. <laughs> uh-huh. that is that I'm is home. that is definitely true, and that yeah. that explains for the people back in Uganda. Now they know the reason why we get so excited when we land home because we are in the place where we feel loved, and we know we're going to be with family, we're going to have fun, and once again, and Akim, food. I don't, mm-hmm. and food, yeah, yeah. Food? <laughs> like, yeah. You know how much we miss that food. Like mm-hmm. we want to go and, and, and just wake up in the morning and have Kachogo, but authentically, yeah. you, you I want a Rolex, I want Nyamachoma, I want to be driving to Ginger and then pull up on the side <laughs> of the road and have people offer me meat and chicken. Say, I want to I I wanna go to Java's, I want to go to 2K, I want to go to those Bufunda, mm-hmm. like I want those experiences. We miss our food, man. Like, I think our brothers and sisters just need to understand and rem- and, and realize that not only are we Ugandans too, mm-hmm. but us being away from home doesn't make us any less patriotic than you. And right. we love Uganda mo- uh, as much as you do. And mm-hmm. we miss it because of the fact that we're away. Mm-hmm. Because we're away for so long that we, we, we miss our home. Yep. Um, once again, Hakim, I was going to say like, I don't think I've ever heard, and this is not because you're on the podcast or today or, but because you do the same job I do and you're definitely way better than me because I don't have that much experience in radio and stuff. But (laughs) but having this conversation that's just flowing, we we never prepared anything. I never prepared anything to ask questions, but we just had an open conversation that if you think about it, like everything we've been talking about, we're able to relate to, like you just, and you're conclusion or when, yeah, you just relate to back to what people think in Uganda and relating to what we go through here. And the whole conversation is flowing, like without even preparation. But so that's the kind of conversation I want. And us being just open here, talk about life and what we go through, especially us in the diaspora. So I really want to appreciate you for the time. But I'll definitely. Uh-huh. That's testimony to you, though. That's that that's a big testimony to you because of the fact that you're the one who navigated that conversation to begin with, yeah. and your ability to const to, to to link each thing and pick up on what, what whatever I was saying and not letting certain points um go to waste and mm-hmm. you, you just navigated the conversation um perfectly. So that's definitely te- for me. I can talk for days. <laughs> I, can, I, I can talk and talk. So. The, navig- the, the direction of the conversation because like you I knew nothing about what we were going to speak about you didn't mm-hmm. tell me that oh we're going to speak about this there was no topic it was just right. like jangu to new me but yeah, yeah. And this, this I want came to, of it. I, 
Thank you. I appreciate you to for giving this time and being on the podcast and just talking. And I can't wait for my listeners to to listen to this. And I know I, I record a week. I put record all my shows and then I put them out um, after because I, I have a full time job. And this I do this as a hobby to just chat with yeah. people now. Now, now, now I have a friend, Hakim, like we host yeah. podcast, and this is why I do this. So I really want, but I have a few questions I ask people I host on here. I don't want to let you go without asking you those. And the first one is what has been a life lesson that you've learned so far in life? What has been a life lesson that I've learned? Oh man, I've learned so much. Um. I've learned so, so much. Wow, which one do I even... I'll tell you what, and I spoke about this on our previous show, but I'll tell you what I learned from Ramadan, mm-hmm. right? The biggest lesson I took out of Ramadan was this, that you could wake up in the morning and you're fine, and you get through the day and it comes to break your fast, and you're completely fine, right? And you didn't even notice or realize that you was hungry because it just mm-hmm. went through. And then there are other days where you wake up in the morning and you're fine, you're not hungry. But then halfway through the day, it starts to get a bit difficult. And then the closer the time comes to break your fast, it gets really difficult. But then you make it and then you break fast. And then there's other days where you wake up in the morning and you're waking up at 8 a.m. and you're extremely hungry and you're not breaking fast until 8 p.m. And you go through the whole day and it's difficult. You can't think. You're starving. It's, it's, it's painful. It's frustrating. But then you make it through. And what I took from that is that in life, it doesn't matter how difficult life gets, that you go through different periods. Sometimes you go through periods where life is just smooth. Life is good. Life is easy. But then you go through certain times where life is really difficult. But if you have faith in God, you will always know that come what may, the sun will always set on your problems. Always. Because it doesn't matter how hungry I've got during Ramadan, the sun had to set. So whether I was crying at 12, whether I was crying at 3, whether I was hungry at 7, the sun must set. You know. So I yeah. realized that in life, your problems are not permanent. Mm-hmm. One way or another, the sun will set on your on on your issue. So it's like just about being patient. Patience is it's so so important. It's the key to success. It's the key to a happy life. It's the key to contentment. It's the key to fulfilling your dreams. Being patient. Patience is is for me. It's it's, it's the number one discipline that that I carry with me. Just be patient. Don't panic. Don't lose your head. Remember that one way or another, no circumstance is ever permanent. There isn't mm-hmm. one. And when you are a, a person who believes in God, then you know that one way or another, he will get you through all your problems. He will get you through to the next day. And yeah, just be patient with it, man. Be patient. Yeah. That's, that's definitely patience is the key and just waiting. And that, that brings back a lot of memories of just thinking about my personal life and just how I had to be patient to to wait through till everything plays out. And that goes that message goes back to everybody that's listening to just be patient. No matter what's going through, the sun will always come out, just like you said. Um, mm-hmm. 
the, the second last question, what gets you excited about life? Life. Life. Yeah. Love. Mm -hmm. Life and love get okay. me excited. Like, yeah. life is absolutely beautiful. We, we, we really underestimate the fact that life is being alive in of itself. We didn't, we, we, we didn't choose to be here. But just mm -hmm. the fact that we're conscious of our environment and we're aware of who we are, life is beautiful. Life can change in an instant, you know. And for me, love. And not just romantic love, but just love, family love, friends love, passion. Like, I love podcasting. You mm -hmm. know, I could be at work all day and I'm just thinking about sit, sitting <laughs> behind a mic. Yeah. You understand? Like, I, that gets me excited. I get excited of just making people happy. I get excited mm -hmm. about looking at someone's daughter and knowing that she's smiling because of me mm -hmm. that gets me excited i get excited of seeing my kids grow and become these um, and becoming these amazing young men i get excited about when i make my mom proud when i do something and i'm saying it to my mom and she smiles just love love yeah. excites me in life it's, 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 for me it's just the most beautiful experience there is like being able to experience love is that for me excites me and also as a side note so that's that's one thing another thing that excites me in life is knowing that i'm i have so much untapped potential and every and i'm excited to unlock mm -hmm. what i can truly do because when i look back at what i've done and i'm thinking to myself i've not done anything yet i've made it this far now mm -hmm how far can I get when I truly go into my bag? You know, so that yeah. excites me. Just tapping into that that potential and the endless possibilities of just where I can go in life, you know? Yeah, nothing nothing beats that. You, you hit it right on the head. And yeah, I don't think I can even add on to that. So this brings me to my final question. Um, who would you like okay. to see my podcast? And you're going to have to help me find that person who would you like to see on the podcast on the show and you will help me find the person here who would i love to see on your podcast oh there's so many people there's uh who would i love to hear from um Mina, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> you know what? Uh -huh. Jibs and Linda, without a shadow of a doubt. I would, okay. would love, to, love to, I would definitely love to have them on Jibs and Linda, 100%. Okay. Okay. Um, I think you would have an amazing conversation with them. I think you have an amazing, like, they, they, they're so different. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes our podcast work. Yeah. Like, we're three very different personalities. You know, very... Jibs is the laid-back, often quiet, mm -hmm. yet highly observant, highly intelligent, extremely petty. You can tell when you listen... You, when you listen to him speak, you can tell, like, even that yeah, clip that's on, the, on, the, on your page... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, he's there. Linda is is crazy. <laughs> Linda just she's like I absolutely love Linda. She's crazy, 
but yeah. so intelligent. She's so engaging. She's so articulate, but she's crazy. That's the only like yeah. That, get ready because she's going to bring <laughs> intelligence and craziness to your podcast. Yeah. All right, all right, brother. Thank you very much, and it was no, a blast having you on here. So. I feel bad because I'm like every time I've seen all your other podcasts, there's always a topic. You're always speaking mm-hmm. about something specific. No, really, freestyling. I don't, I don't think so. so. Like, I mean, no, no, I don't think I, it's usually that people are just talking about. It's there's not really a specific topic. It's just talking about, and this is really important because this freestyle. I like the freestyle kind of uh, podcast because I think people who listen to this that know what we're talking about they'll find it super important. And I think what we, we talked about today, like it's relatable to the people who need to hear it. So I'm sure like for the people who will listen to this, they'll pick up a lot of things that we talked about today that will benefit. Like it doesn't really have to be a specific topic, but I think we we hit on some topics that are really important for people to listen to. No matter where you're in Uganda, you're in the UK, you're in the US, I feel like when you listen through this, there's a lot of things you can take out. I think, sorry, yes, 100%. One more person I think you should talk to is a girl called Ashanti Kazira. Okay. I would love to hear her being interviewed when it's not me. So she's okay. a guest we've had. <laughs> okay. I would want to take a step back and just, 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 just listen. Just and I think, yeah, she's a TikToker. She's 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 just clocked about sixty thousand followers now, mm, um, nice. and she has a huge following in the states. Funny enough, mm. um, and I think I would love to hear you conversating with her on okay. being Gandan because there's, I guess, there's experiences that I don't have. I never went to school in Uganda. I never studied okay. there. I don't know about boarding school there's just certain Uh side that i don't know um so i think i would love to hear her being interviewed by a ugandan that's not me just listen okay and just get someone who can pick her brain about her experience so definitely ashanti kazira i'll definitely put you in contact with her all right thank you hakeem and look forward to having more of this with you now, 100%. And we need to have you on our platform next. All right. <laughs> yeah. Because I've got questions for you now. <laughs> I've got questions right. for you. All right. Let me, yeah. know, let me know anytime. I'll be ready. No, def- no definitely. I think we've got, because we like we schedule in, because um, we only film once a week and we schedule in pretty far ahead. Um, so probably in, and sometime in July, we'll have a okay. conversation. No problem. Yeah. Anytime. I'll be ready. I did, my bro. Listen, thank you very much. It's been amazing. All right. Thank you. You too. Take care of yourself. Bye. Hey there. I am Bonnie Kibuka, the host of the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Thanks for watching my video. And don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend. Tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for a new episode about my podcast. And for more information about this podcast, follow me on my Instagram page, talk underscore show underscore 256.